Hi, and welcome to that podcast, episode 9. I'm Dave. And I'm Bo. And you are in France. I am in France. Enjoying uh, it? I, I, yeah, I am enjoying it. It's the second time in three weeks, I think. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. This trip's been a lot different than the last one, but it's 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 nice being here. Um, I was just out trying to get lunch again at 2.30 and came back foiled. Apparently, people in France don't eat after 2 p.m. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Is that just a... A cultural thing, as in, you know, the, the, the shut up shop. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I had that. We had uh, we had that problem in London as well. That at a certain point, like between lunch and dinner, um, the, the place, well, a lot of places are closed unless it's like a tapas restaurant or something like that, where they're just serving appetizers or whatever. Mm. Um, all of the big restaurants are a lot of the big restaurants are closed. So yeah, I, I mean, know. generally restaurants would be in this country, but these cafes are. Would tend to be would tend to be open all afternoon. Yeah, I, I went by a, a pizza shop right across the street, um, and then I went to a, a sushi restaurant, and they were both closed. Yeah. So um, I don't know, and that's a couple of the little um, uh, patisseries and and uh, uh, whatever the bread shops are called. They were closed as well when I was out and around. Yeah. But I did. Um, uh, I happened to run into uh, Pierre. I don't remember. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Unfortunately, Pierre Joy. Um, yeah. Uh, he, he's actually, uh, he was at the conference and he was the first person I met when I got here. Um, so I finally got to meet him in person, but I happened to see him wandering around as well. And, uh, we went to the, uh, the cafe that was right next to the, the forum PHP conference center. And so we just, we just got a little, little bit to drink there. So that was, that was fun. That place was open, but it was like a 15 minute walk to find a place that was open. Yeah. Well, I know, um, Definitely in Spain, there's siesta time in the afternoon, so everything kind of shuts down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't. I, I don't. Not too familiar with that in France, but who knows? So, yeah. how did the conference? I, 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 ah, the, the conference was awesome. Um, it was. I, I was actually surprised by how much French-speaking people there were. Like even for like the speakers. Um, I, for, for whatever reason, when I initially looked at the list of, of talks. I thought more of them were going to be in English, but it turns out a bunch of the talk descriptions were in English, even though they were going to be presented in, in French. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, like Jordi's, uh, composer talk. His, his talk description was in, in, in English and his slides were in English, but he presented it in French. So, um, there were probably that I'm aware of, there were only three talks, including mine that were in English. So, um, I, I felt, uh, a little more, uh, Trying to find the right word, I, I want to say special, <laughs> uh, that that I was invited to speak at this French conference where almost everybody was uh, speaking French. So it was uh, it was a bigger deal than I thought it was going to be that I would be speaking English. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so it was uh, it was a great conference. Um, even though I, I didn't get to see very many of the talks, I got to meet a lot of people. Um, so that that was pretty cool. Uh, a lot of people that I'd met online beforehand. Uh, knew that I was going to be here, so they they helped help me find them, uh, so that we could actually meet in person. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, sounds like fun. And you're heading back to the states tomorrow. Yep, I'm um, heading back tomorrow, uh, just in time to go to ZenCon. So uh, it's going to be a back to back conference weeks for me. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. But uh, ZenCon, I'm actually bringing my family with me, so that'll be cool. Ah, cool. <laughs> so, um, otherwise, that that was going to be a long two week streak without being able to see Luke and Beck. So I'm glad I'm glad they're going to be able to join me to California. Yeah. Well, I'm actually lucky enough to have uh, got rid of my kids for the evening. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm 
I, I'll be with the wife, but I won't have the kids tonight, so I'm I like nice. you a little bit. Nice. Um, yeah. Needed yeah, it as well. I, I've been a bit grumpy the last couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> you know, people talk about um, you living your life through your kids. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of realised I was kind of enjoying life through my kids a little bit as well. Like, um, I was trying to, I couldn't remember the last time sort of I did anything for myself apart from go to meetup groups or mm-hmm. the conference. Uh, and even then, kids came. <laughs> and it was getting me down a little bit. But, um, but Rebecca and I go to a wedding reception tonight, so it'd be nice to have a, a date night and uh, see okay. some old friends as well. Nice. I was gonna I was gonna ask if you were going to get a, a date night out of this if you're not gonna have kids, so that's great. Yeah, yeah, and it's quite nice as well because the couple uh, they're getting married uh, not too far away from where we live, so it's uh, two or three minutes in a taxi top. So cool. we go have a drink and something to eat, and it'd be nice. Nice. How was your? Uh, you went to a meetup. Recently? Yeah, I've actually been to a couple, um, which is good for me because I'm pretty rubbish at going to them. The first one I went to was um, the it's a fairly new one in my area. It's an Amazon Web Services user group, and uh, we had a chat from a consulting company uh, who's special. They're a, an AWS partner, service partner, or something. I think they call it. And he came and talked about how they um, dealt with the launch of an album for. A fairly popular group who I'm not allowed to say. Uh, in fact, I don't even think he mentioned it. Uh, it was quite interesting. What technically it was quite simple, but it was quite interesting the way they decided and how they got to deciding to go about it. They kind of went with static HTML, JavaScript, you know, that kind of thing. Just all yeah. fired out through CloudFront, um, just to deal with the surges in traffic and whatnot. And it was quite cool. interesting. And then there was this kind of, um, it wasn't a regular meetup the other day, um, but SendGrid are doing a, a tour of the UK at the minute. They're going to a few different user groups and things, so there's kind of a specially organised meetup for for SendGrid people to come and talk to us about their products and things. Cool. To be and honest, the guy, the guy confused me. They did some demos and stuff, and then they did a little talk about Go, and I kind of went and asked the guy afterwards. Because he was there, I thought, well, because we use Amazon's SES to send email at work. And I just wondered if he could try and sell SendGrid to me in terms of... Because it is more money, uh, but they obviously have a lot more features than Amazon. Amazon's is, is really bare bones. And he and he, he sold up some of the stuff, but he said, uh, how much email are you sending? And I told him, and he said that it costs about 60 or $70 a month. And I don't think he was... I, I think he was a dev. He was very mm. good at... De- developer stuff, but I don't think he was much. In, in, didn't seem to know much on the sales side of things. If you see what I mean, it, it gave me the impression that they were going as developer evangelists and trying to target people who aren't necessarily familiar with these kind of you know uh, transactional email services, rather mm-hmm. than the people who are already using them, and you could be acquiring their their customs. So, <laughs> but it's still good to meet up with uh, people. I actually met up with a couple of. Uh, friends or ex-colleagues and uh, we went for dinner afterwards so that was cool cool any uh podcast news um podcast news not really no nope. no um next yep <laughs> okay yeah this, there has you know the the last episode actually um we got we didn't we didn't get a lot of feedback on it but i think that the uh the whole uh, controversial title 
got got a few more listens than it than it would have otherwise, but not a lot of comments. I was I was actually pretty surprised about that. Uh, the about the only interesting one I guess was uh, Phil Sturgeon took a listen to it uh, on his way back from Columbia. I think he was in Columbia. Uh, apparently he bust out laughing at some point uh, in the middle of the flight, uh, as as it was suggested that PSR deprecation had to do with the fact that uh, they just needed to look busy. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, that that was about the only uh, it, it, fun comment that I that I heard about that. So, um, and s- since then, uh, PSR zero is is now deprecated. Uh, the vote passed apparently, um, despite the fact that I think it probably had record numbers of uh, plus zeros and negative ones. Um, so apparently, we did still reach a majority on it. Yeah, past democracy, right? Yep, yep. That's the way it goes, and. Uh, I think I saw a, a message yesterday from Phil saying that uh, PSR zero is deprecated and the world didn't come to an end. Yeah, that, yeah which is true. Uh, but that also means that PSR zero is deprecated and absolutely nothing has changed. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, like, could, it could except, go both except, ways. Except it's one less thing to talk about, right? Yep, it's one less thing to talk about. Or so. argue, depending on how yep. you look at it. Yeah. So um, there's been more witterings in the fig world. Have you been keeping up? Because I mean, I know Anthony Ferreira posted a couple of blog posts, and uh, I, I kind of read them a bit, but it... yeah, um, fig fig's been going through a, a resurgence in drama lately. Um, mm. the, the PSR zero stuff, you know, sort of came up, and that was sort of a thing for a little bit. But since we since we last recorded, there've been a, a number of things that have happened. You know, the whole Caching thing with with um, with uh, Anthony, um, the whole thing with the the PHP league. Oh God, yeah, I forgot about that. What a mess yeah. that was. Yeah, that was so, a huge mess. Yeah, so. such a shame as well. Um. Yeah. So yeah, there's been a it's it's been, there's been a lot of stuff going on with that right now, and I I know that I think the community at large is getting kind of frustrated with it, and I know that uh, even the uh, some of the fig members are getting super frustrated with everything that's going on, so I, I don't know. It's it, it fig just goes in waves. You know, sometimes there's absolutely nothing for months and months at a time, and then someone posts something that gets everyone going, and then it's downhill from there for a little while. Yeah, I think I was actually mentioned in the uh, the PHP League thread. Yes, you were. Um, so, mm. Uh, was it, is it, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Padre, Padraig, 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 yeah. Padraig, yeah, he, yeah. he mentioned, yeah, he mentioned, uh, he mentioned that if he were to submit mockery to, uh, as a fig member, or if, or if you wanted to submit mockery as a fig member, that there, there could be potentially issues because he's, uh, co-maintainer or creator of it and is also already a voting representative. So, yeah. I don't, I, I feel like fig has, Fig has too many ideas about what its membership is supposed to be, and I don't think that enough people are on board and in agreement on what what the membership entails um, for everyone to be in consensus on anything anymore. It's I feel like it sort of needs to be recreated from scratch almost and say this is exactly what it means to be a member and let's just start over again. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, in in some cases it's possible certain projects won't be admitted again. Like it's possible that. Um, on another pass, Sculpin wouldn't necessarily become a member, but I think that I think that we just need. To, I don't. I don't know what I'm saying. It, it seems like a big problem that needs to be addressed somehow, and I don't think 
I don't think anything's going to change until something major changes about the membership of Fig. Hmm. Yeah, like I say, I've um, I there's so many email updates. I I get the um, what do you call it when you get the aggregate of everything, the daily summary or something. Uh, and yeah, digest. I, I, I tend to have a look at the subject and see how many how many emails it says. If it says fifty or something, then I just bin it. Yeah. I. So, uh, yeah. I I actually uh, mentioned you on the PSR seven thread as well. Um, they, right. We we mentioned something about uh, on the last episode about how it would work to do decorators for the request interface. Hmm. Um, and so I, I so the, the the truth about forum PHP is since it was all in French, um, I literally had a hard time not falling asleep. <laughs> uh, just because, for, for some reason, because I was already tired, I was super jet-lagged, uh, Jordy talked me into staying up until uh, at least 1 a.m. both nights before my talk, um, sitting in a conference, listening to uh, a technical talk in a language I didn't understand, seriously was putting me to sleep, and I felt really bad about it. So uh, I thought I'd do something productive and uh, write up a bunch of stuff for Fig, uh, which was probably not exactly as productive as I wanted to, but um, I tried to write out an example of why I, I didn't think that decorating the request object with additional methods was going to get us anywhere. Because that seems to be the, the general idea, was we don't need the attributes because we can just decorate the request to do whatever we want to. Um, but we found that out with... Um, uh, or the first time I saw that that doesn't work very well is with your uh, pimple-aware event dispatcher. That's right, yeah. That, you know, you you were decorating it, but you were also adding a method. But I ran into problems where I couldn't rely on the fact that someone else hadn't already decorated the event dispatcher. Yeah. Um, so you have to have access to the decorated instance in order to be able to leverage it. But there's no way to get that in in the like a request stack sort of situation. So, um, so I had I, I put that out there because that keeps coming up. Everyone's like, well, let's not do this this fuzzy, you know, collection of random things that can be named whatever you want. Let's let's make them be inter, uh, an interface that you could decorate. And I, I don't see how that will work. And I, I think you you were the one that mentioned it last time that, I don't know, how's that going to work? It, it doesn't work very well. So Yeah, it can um, work internally so with your own middleware, but that's to whether or not. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I, I mentioned you on, on the PSR 7 thread. So if you happen to run into that, you'll see your name in fig list again. You can't get away from it. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, to be honest, like I say, I've not been keeping up. I have been. Yeah. Uh, I, I am. I do follow a few other Google groups though, and um, I was quite pleased. Um, so I wrote a when I did the spy, the basic spy support for Mockery. I wrote a little blog post, and um, someone actually posted it to the growing object-oriented software guided by tests mailing list, mm-hmm. and I got a bit of a telling off by Steve Freeman, who's one of the authors, because I didn't go into some of the uh, drawbacks of spies enough. But it was nice in a way because it it made me think about it a little bit more, and I, I'm thinking about following up with some more blog posts. But I, I'm not sure yet. I'm fine, finding a bit hard of time. But that was quite cool. Nice. With regards to mockery, um, I've been enjoying pairing with Daniel on the new API, and just going back to Steve Freeman again. He wrote a paper. Um, it's something about uh, designing an embedded DSL, and it's for um, JMock and how they designed the API, the DSL for JMOC. And just reading that through again uh, has made it interesting for Mockery. It's really nice to just, just write interfaces and nothing else. Um, 
and then I've been firing up either PHP Storm or um, I occasionally use something called Eclimd, which is um, a headless eclipse. And there's a daemon that Vim connects to for things like code mm. completion. And testing out an API like that is actually really nice to get a feel for having just written interfaces. You know, so this method returns one of these, which has these methods, which return these. So to chain that DSL to, together, you know, with Mockery way, I'd be saying, Mockery, give me a spy. This spy should have received this method with these arguments three times. And to see that uh, API come together with the code completion is actually really nice when all you've actually done is written interfaces with some dot blocks. And I thought mm. that was really cool. And uh, I mean, it's been nice just doing that with Daniel and discussing it. And literally all we've been doing is discussing interfaces. And then maybe next week we'll start actually writing some proper code. Nice. But um, yeah, that's been good. And with regards to, I mentioned Hacktoberfest uh, mm-hmm. last week. I think I'm up to about 36 commits, so I need to somehow pull another 14 commits out of something this week. <laughs> and I, <laughs> then I've done 50 commits for the month to open source projects, so that's kind of cool. Nice. Uh, congratulations. Yeah. I, I haven't checked my, my commit things. Uh, unfortunately... If I do have 50 commits, it's going to be because I merged 50 pull requests or something along those lines. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm not going to count those. I, I don't think that I'm, I'm going to be able to uh, get my 50 in. <laughs> I must admit, one a few of mine were... Um, um, oh, God, I can't remember what it's called. I took an old repository and made it a subfolder of another repository. And I can't mm. quite remember the Git command that you do that is it branch filter branch or branch fil- filter branch yeah I think so yeah I think it's filter yeah. branch so I probably got quite a few commits that were really old commits I just moved them to a different project uh, yeah never mind though <laughs> so how's uh, how's have you got have you done any work because you've been traveling you must have no um, I haven't really done any work at all uh, at least not for like the last five days. That's not true. Um, I, I popped into um, HipChat for one of my clients on like Wednesday night and said, hey, I got 15 minutes. And I actually had like an hour or so, and I think I spent 45 minutes uh, working with them. So that was That's kind cool. of fun. Um, but not a whole lot uh, going on, which, which has been kind of uh, a problem for us uh, financially. Uh, basically, I've had two weeks total this month that I could I could do any sort of income gathering um so uh it's, it's going to be it's going to be a tight month but definitely i have uh enough work planned for the next two or three months to keep me busy so yeah. that, that'll be good uh, oh. but nothing super i haven't been able to do a whole lot of anything for the like the, at least the last week and yeah. probably won't be able to for until uh i think november 3rd i think is the first day that i'll get back that i can actually do anything well, I've um, I've had a good couple of weeks at work. Um, despite saying I was grumpy, the one thing I was doing was getting a lot of work done. Uh, I feel like I was getting the time at my desk in large chunks, which allowed me to do larger pieces of work and get them done. Um, and I was sort of making a habit of doing maybe one sort of thing that was properly sort of in the pipeline for being done and then also digging out a piece of technical debt. Because I often, quite often put um, cards into Trello and I have a label technical debt that um, mm-hmm. so I was going back and throwing bits out, and so that's been really good. And one thing, a small, cool. small, small thing I did that I just wanted to mention was I 
I switched our exception tracking to use uh, rollbar.com, um, and it seems really nice. I mean, it doesn't seem much different from all of the other ones, like uh, Exceptional and Airbrake or, or whatever mm-hmm. they all are. Uh, but it's got quite a a big free plan, free plan, um, you know, in terms of what you can do with that free plan, and um, definitely easier for me than maintaining our instance of Airbit, which is an open source mm-hmm. one. But it's Rails, and it runs on Heroku's free platform, which is great because it's free but sometimes the spin-up time is a bit slow so if your app hasn't served any requests for three minutes or something Heroku actually mm-hmm. turns off your virtual machine if you like mm-hmm. and then when you when a request actually comes in it has to boot up the whole yeah yeah which is slow and not very good and also yeah. with all the like the last couple of years with all the rail security problems updating it's been a bit of a pain for me because I'm not familiar with all the different gems and when something goes wrong it goes wrong in a really messy way so yeah so I'm happy to have offloaded that um, especially to somewhere where it's a free plan um, mm-hmm. will cover my needs um, not that I'm averse to paying but I don't have a company credit card and it's almost annoying to have to go and get something set up if you see what I mean um, yeah so yeah so it's quite cool um, yeah. one, one of the teams of people that uh, I met here at Forum PHP um, uh, work on something called catchy.io, uh, which I'm not sure if that's similar to what you're talking about or not. But it sounds like they do it at the extension level. I think I think they provide it as an extension. Um, and they were talking about like uh, comparable services like New Relic. Uh, is, is that the same sort of thing that you're talking about? Um, New Relic's a bit more in depth, so you install extensions with New Relic. Uh, New Relic does profiling, mm-hmm. uh, will monitor your mm-hmm. server resources and things. Whereas this is literally just mm-hmm. you when your application throws an exception, you mm-hmm. serialize it, including the stack trace, and you send it off to their servers. Mm-hmm. And if you ex- and then they'll send out notifications, alerts. Um, if your application fires a thousand exceptions in a minute. You'll get notified once, so it won't, you know, it manages that for you. Okay. And you can tell it, you can set up all sorts of notifications. So if you, you can mute particular exceptions. It's kind of one of those things where you, you know, your application is going to do this occasionally, but you don't want to just catch the exception and log it. You do want the, you know, do you see what I mean? Yeah. Um, so you could say mute that particular type of exception and then it won't alert you again. Mm-hmm. And things like that. These are sort of, I think New Relic can do that, but it's a side part of it, not okay. necessarily the main. The main thing I've seen of New Relic is profiling your application, mm-hmm. you know, response times, and then natural within the application itself, and so on. Yeah, I, I got the impression that Catchy.io was more just for exceptions and errors, yeah, um, and that sort of thing. But I, I don't, I have, I haven't actually had a chance to look into it yet, so. Oh, I'll have a look because, like I say, I've been looking at them recently. Catchy.io. Okay. Yep. Yeah. C A T C H Y. Okay, cool. Cool. So, and something else I've been doing, uh, my boss has been on holiday, uh, so I've been helping out a lot with the customer support. And I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but um, I really do enjoy the fact that we have bespoke help desk software. Even mm-hmm. though when my boss asked me to make it, I was reluctant. I just wanted to use something off the shelf or use a SaaS help desk yeah. solution. Um, but the the best thing is the the one click sort of 
we have you know if somebody emails in and says that they they want to uh, close their account we have a want a button that literally closes their account sends them a a canned response and closes mm-hmm. the ticket mm-hmm. and we've got quite a few of these we're doing all sorts of different things and it makes it so easy for those for maybe 60 to 70% of the tickets that come in you can almost mm-hmm. administer with one click each Hmm. Um, it's basically almost everything that's in the FAQ <laughs> has a you know, but, and we have like a bit of JavaScript on the contact us page that tries to search through the FAQs and you know show us a, a relevant yeah. one, but uh, people just don't seem to notice or don't bother reading it. So, uh, so that's really nice. Hmm. Uh, and that's it really for work. I've uh, nothing else interesting to talk about. And one thing I uh, I did do is um, we discussed uh, Code School, or you just you talked about Code School last week. Mm-hmm. I had to browse around a few of them, and um, I was thinking about Angular. Now I'd really like to do more Erlang stuff, but it's hard to find that kind of tutorial for Erlang. There's tutorials, but they're not like that. Not where you're being shown videos, right? And then quizzes, and um, but the reason I, I liked just looking at Erlang previously was it's com- something completely different to. Mm-hmm. What I usually do. Um, so I started thinking like that. I wonder if I can find something you know completely different. Um, and I was on uh, Udacity, and they have a HTML5 games programming course, which caught my eye. And it was, I thought it's not. I'm never going to use it professionally, or very unlikely I'd use that kind of thing professionally. But it's kind of fun. Um, so I started doing that, and it's a free course, and it's. I assume it's similar to Code School. There's, there's a video uh, talking about this, that, and the other, and then it sets you some sort of quiz in the terms in in the form of programming, uh, and then you can hit submit, and it runs tests. And if you're successful, you go through to the answer, and it discusses the answer and why we do this. And it's been quite good. I quite enjoy it. And um, the format's good, but um, the tests aren't very good. Um, in my opinion, they don't seem to give much away. They are literally there to test if it works. You get zero to no feedback from it at all. And there's things like mock expectations, where they're expecting a, you know a deep object to, or a deep comparison of two objects to match. Mm-hmm. And all you see at the top is the the type object, open parentheses, and maybe another five or six characters. This didn't match this other object, open parentheses, five or six characters. <laughs> And when you're dealing with, yeah. you know, fairly large JSON structures, it, it's, you know, it's not that all that helpful. That was quite frustrating. And mm. I, that was literally a typo, cost me maybe 20 minutes mm. because I couldn't fully inspect things. And yeah. And sometimes, um, the answers, so the, the, either the setup or for the quiz or the answers after the quiz don't quite match up with the, the quiz. So either the one's been updated and the other one hasn't or something. It's only usually narrow things and small things, but it's enough to be confusing sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then there's other things like um, at one point I had to guess the name of a variable. So the basic, <laughs> they're basically giving you a part of a, a file to edit. And uh, I needed to draw an image onto the um, a canvas. And I knew that I needed to draw it onto the canvas's context but I didn't have a canvas, and I didn't have a context in the code portion I was given. 
and I knew I had to. I couldn't instantiate one because they they were waiting for their their tests were expecting to see an image drawn on their canvas. If you see what I mean, uh, yeah. And I basically guessed around for a while, and eventually got the the, the right variable name. Uh, hmm. So it was in basically there was a variable in scope, but I didn't know what the name was, and I had to use it. So, wow. so that was a bit weird. But yeah. Hmm. But otherwise, I've managed to do like uh, two or three hours. Uh, which so so it's been quite nice. There's a oh. little uh, break. Nice. So you're getting to be an HTML5 games expert. Mm, I won't. Uh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting at least. Cool. Nice. I've always have you ever seen the Ludum Dare things? It's um, um it's a 48 hours um games programming like competition. Okay. Oh, is it is it a GitHub thing? I don't think it's GitHub. I just know it's. Uh, I don't know. Mm. Might be. They might sponsor I, it or something. Yeah, I know that. Um, I've I've seen a couple of times where people have done something like that, and I think Jordy did one actually. Did he? Um, he did a little game, uh, but I thought that w- I thought that was like a GitHub competition. Um, uh, it could well be. But it could have been this. I just remember um, seeing. Uh, oh, I can't remember his name. I want to say Notch. Is it Notch? Yeah, Notch. The Minecraft guy. I remember he was live streaming him taking part in the in that uh, competition or hackathon, whatever mm. you want to call it. And it was awesome just watching him. I mean, he was just uh, putting together like a, a tiled, a top-down 2D um, sort of tiled world and you could walk around and shoot things. It was really awesome to watch him do it at such speed. And mm-hmm. um, I assume he was using Eclipse or IntelliJ and, you know, he, his editor was... The way he worked the editor in terms of speed and refactoring this, and it was really cool. And obviously, he was making mm. something cool at the same time. So, yeah, so cool. yeah, I can't like I say I can't see myself using it anytime soon, but it's good fun. Nice. That's pretty much it for my updates. I don't think I've got anything else. Uh... Um, I wanted to talk about um, maybe a couple of the people that I met at the conference. Cool. Um, one. Uh, uh, Nelson DaCosta, um, uh, his uh, Twitter handle was Baruca, but B-A-R-U-I-C-A. Uh, he was actually one of our first uh, commenters, I think, on our podcast. Um, or we mentioned him at, uh, in one of our early podcasts. So I got to meet him in person, which is pretty awesome. So I guess that's sort of podcast updatey related, but not not too bad. Um, mm-hmm. And I got to meet. Uh, I don't. Know, I, I'm going to butcher all of these people's names. So. My bad, if you're listening. Uh, Baptiste Clave, Clave, uh, uh, Talus, Talus. Um, he he frequents the Silex channel, and he had uh, he had one of the early Doctrine Orm service providers, I believe, and uh, like he forked the Network ter- service provider, um, which then I eventually created one, and then he like moved everything over to mine. So uh, I, he he came up and introduced himself to me. I didn't know he was going to be there. Uh, so that was pretty cool. So he showed up after my talk. And, uh, David Negrier, uh, I'm mm-hmm. not, like I said, I'm gonna butcher all these names. I'll put them in the show notes and you can pronounce them, uh, correctly for me. Um, but he's the, uh, person who's done MOOF, MOOF framework, M-O-U-F. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I, um, he, he actually tracked down, uh, I was, I was talking to Jordy, uh, right before Jordy's talk and he came up and, um, said, hey, can I talk to you guys later? I want to show you something cool. And we're like, okay, cool. So we, uh, Jordy's talk happened, and then uh, afterwards, um, 
he, he tracked Jordy down and showed him uh, something called Pack Analyst. Have right. you heard of Pack Analyst? I think I've heard of it only because I saw him tweet you about it or something the other day. Yeah. Um, so he tracked Jordy down, and then Jordy tracked me down a little bit later. So you should go, should, you should go check this out. It's really cool. Um, he has uh, scoured, like he's he's using the packages the API to find a list of all of the packages that have the provides key. Um, I think it might be just the packages that have the provides key. Um, but basically what he's done is he'll check out every single version of every single package that he's finding through the API and uh, has a big MongoDB index of all of the class names um, and interfaces and anything that uses them. Right. So that, uh, for example, you could look up... Um, uh, you could look up PSR logger interface and find all of the packages and all of the classes in those packages that implement it. So you could find all of the PSR logging interface uh, packages. I see, like yep. anybody that's interfaced it, um, which, which could be really, really, really powerful. Like if you're looking for um, something like that, you could use packages key, you know, uh, whatever people put in their keys and their uh, packages packages might not be enough for you to search for what you're looking for. So if you need to find a, a cool implementation of something, um, you could use this. So it was really, really neat. Hmm. Um, and, and while I was there, um, he, he, uh, was mentioning, um, he's, he was doing the move stuff and then he said, Hey, do you want to see my, my interface for, um, he, he has a drag and drop, uh, service container. Yeah. I've seen the demos of move online. Yeah. Um, so I, and I had walked through it before, but I didn't really look at it too much. Like I didn't actually try it before. Mm. Uh, but actually seeing him like work it looked really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and so he, he's, uh, I didn't, I didn't put two and two together at first, but he's the person who has been, uh, really pushing for the, um, fig container interface, uh, PSR. Right. Yeah. Which has been, uh, somewhat controversial. And I, I even told him as much. I'm like, I don't know if I can see much of a, a need for that. Because it's basically just uh, the interface is just get, <laughs> uh, and then you give it a service name and it passes back yeah. something. Um, I, like, uh, I, like, so, I like to call it array access. Yeah, array access. It's um, so, uh, but he he seems really excited about it, and they they already have like uh, I don't know, like seven or eight different um, pa- uh, seven or eight different container packages implementing this future spec that um, they want to use, and I think they have a. Uh, they have a pimple. They have a pimple adapter for pimple one already as well. So, anyway, it was it was kind of interesting to walk through that. So it was kind of kind of fun to talk to him and meet him. I talked to him quite a bit actually. So, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so that was fun, and uh, and my talk went pretty well. I um, I thought it was very well received. I think a lot of people weren't sure what to expect from it, and I I kind of I started to worry about that right beforehand because everyone I talked to. Like at the the speaker dinner, like and the the first day of the conference, when I would mention what I was talking about, they're like, "Oh yeah, I've been wanting to try Sculpin, so I was going to come check out your your talk." And I'm like, "Well, it's not really about Sculpin." And then I realized the title. Like if you only read the title, yeah, I could see I could see how you might not have known what the talk was going to be. But the the feedback so far has been great. Um, a lot of people have uh, have even said, you know, this is totally not what I was expecting, but this was a great talk. So um, I thought that was. I'm glad that I got that feedback, but I realize now that a lot of people were thinking it was going to be like a uh, a product talk or like a sales talk to try to get people to use Sculpin, and uh, that's not this talk. <laughs> no. uh, but 
And it was my first non-technical talk, so that was kind of interesting too, because I haven't haven't done that and um, didn't. I made some last-minute changes because I didn't realize it was going to be a, a 45-minute slot, including questions. Um, so I pretty much had 30 minutes instead of you know 45 or so to, to yeah. do it. But it was a lot of fun. So I, I'm, I'm glad it's over, but also really, uh, I was really excited about how it went and everything. So it was good. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, as far as other updates, I've been dealing with some health issues. Um, I've actually been dealing with them for a little while and been slowly been getting worse. But uh, I don't know. It's something that I've actually had a hard time trying to talk to people about. So um, I uh, recently saw the open sourcing mental health talk with Ed Finkler. And, um, it was, it was, it's a really good talk and really helped me understand some issues with some of my friends a little better, like, or like better understand them or, um, relate to them a little bit better. But he also, uh, talked about something that really like hit me pretty close is that, uh, he was talking about his issues with IBS and I've sort of been, that's been impacting my life way more than I thought it would was. And I've just been getting to the point now where I'm actually starting to see a doctor about it. Um, especially with these trips, uh, and the extra stress that I've had under myself lately. Um, yeah, it's been really bad. And I, even at this conference, it's been, it's been pretty bad because I find myself not wanting to go out <laughs> with people or yeah. stay too far away from the hotel or anything like that. So it's been, this, this trip actually been harder than I wanted it to be. Um, I, uh, yeah, it's been pretty, it's been pretty awful, actually, this trip, for, for those reasons. But, but you are seeking... I don't really have much more to say about it than that. <laughs> but you're seeking help, right? So you've, you've taken some steps towards uh, doing something yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah and I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to help. I, uh, my doctor uh, recommended some medication that I could take before Symphony Live, and um, so I, I was doing that. And it actually, I didn't have any like major incidents or anything like that. Um, at Symphony Live, but uh, I was still very anxious about it, um, and so uh, that that made it worse for me just because I was anxious the whole time. Um, yeah. And but the uh, I actually had uh, I had my first colonoscopy the day before I left for France, <laughs> which nice. which which was uh, interesting for all sorts of reasons. But uh, since then, it's actually made things worse for me, um, which was a little bit of a disappointment because I thought maybe if I was uh, all cleaned out, if you will, um, I'd be better. But um, but yeah, the medication that I've been taking has not been helping at all. It's it's, it's like I'm not taking it at all. So I don't know. I'm I'm a little anxious going into ZenCon now for a week. Um, so I, I don't actually get to see my doctor again until I'm back. And then I'm only back for a week before going for a week to Washington D.C. So I don't know. It's been a it's been a really bad time to start. Uh, wanting to follow up with a doctor and not being in, in town for longer than seven days at a time. Yeah. And but before this, I I think I've been in Madison two whole days in like since before Symphony Live. It's been it's been a crazy lots of travel. So so I don't know. Hopefully I'll have uh, some better updates for that at some point in the future. But it's been it's been something that's been on my mind a lot lately and something that I, I have a hard time talking about with people. So yeah, of course. Well, that's understandable. Um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things, isn't it? When have a hard time talking about it, but when you actually do, most people do mm-hmm. feel better 
having done so. Mm-hmm. Or I or I certainly do when I when I have problems yeah. of, of those kind. Yeah. But it's actually um even things like like just talking about problems is sometimes feels uncomfortable for me. Um I mean we talk about I, I'm so lucky in so many things. It's like like I said, I, I, a week ago, I was so grumpy and like fed up with myself. And sometimes I do really stop and think how lucky I actually am. And then I start questioning whether I should be allowed to feel fed up or grumpy. Mm-hmm. And I think you should be, as long as you don't forget, you know, the privilege and how lucky like we are, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You can still feel grumpy, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's really easy to to look around and say, you know, I really don't have that big of a problem. And, you know, like, there's other really crazy stuff going on in the world right now, and I don't have a right to be upset or worried or anxious or any of those things. And yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it's I, really easy. I felt like I wasn't getting to do anything sort of uh, for myself. Um, but I'm lucky enough to have this amazing family that I love so, mm-hmm. so much. So yeah. should I really be? Is that selfish of me to think that, or I don't know? Um, I think I think you do need to do some things for yourself, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, everything in moderation, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, did you want to talk about our sort of two topics we have for for this? Sure. Week? Yeah, we can do oh, that. Oh, well, maybe one of two topics. Do you want to start mm-hmm. with the not invented here stuff? And, and yeah. I think that, you've probably kept up with at least the conversation more than I have. Um, but if you wanted to get sort of talk about it, introduce, introduce the topic and go yeah, from Yeah, sure. So I think that um, it was really interesting timing because it played into my talk with Sculpin really well. Um, and... I don't know exactly what started it off, and I, I don't want to blame everything on Phil Sturgeon because we've—I I, I feel like uh, I'm casting him in a poor light because we keep talking about PSR zero and and whatnot. Mm. But um, and, and and to be clear, this particular issue is something that I could really—I feel like I can understand where he's coming from, and that um, packages is full of a bunch of really crappy packages that don't really. They're not, they're not good. They aren't finished. Um, I know I'm guilty of that. I have a bunch of packages that, you know, I started that, you know, might not be maintained very well anymore. And I don't know who all's using them or if anyone's using them. Uh, but the general, the general idea is that why would you spend your time creating another PHP router? Or why would you spend another time, your time creating another PHP templating language? Or, um, basically re, re, inventing the wheel on something that's already been invented, you know, a hundred times or more, um, is the general idea. And it seems to be there's, uh, people rallying behind that. And then there's people who are like, wait, 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 don't tell me what to code. Like if I want to code a new router, let me code a new router. Um, and it, 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 they go back and forth, uh, quite a bit. So that's been kind of a, a common theme, at least for the last couple of weeks. On um, Twitter and Reddit, and I'm sure other forms of social media that I'm not super involved in, but uh, that's that's the the general gist of the the conversation so far. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Phil there, and uh, just 
you said you don't want to make it about him. I, I think uh, mm-hmm. there's, uh, I don't think anybody tries to make things about Phil, but he he, he's, he spreads himself quite thinly in terms of he's involved with lots of different things, isn't he? So he just he naturally yeah. <laughs> comes up in uh, conversation quite a lot. But yeah, I mean, I actually, yeah. I actually kind of disagreed with him just because I saw the context of one tweet. Mm-hmm. And and I can um, and it's something along the lines of if you don't like um, I think it was Arno Router or something, then use one of the other millions and millions of ones, but don't write your own. And I kind of thought felt like that was a bit contradictory because, as far as I know, Arno Router has been around for what six months or something. Um, so we I felt like we had plenty before then. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was saying that he felt uh, he liked Arno Router because it uses the um. um the fast route that implementation I can't remember Nikic yeah fast route so you know he was trying to argue that um, he felt honor the honor router the thing underneath it brought something new to the router scene and he's mm. happy if people are doing that he's not happy with people just doing plain old routers because they wanted to write it themselves I think is what he was yeah. trying to get at yeah and I, I think he's used the, the word clone like if yeah. you're like, like if we wanted to build another pimple where it literally has the same interface as pimple and more or less does exactly what pimple does, don't create a new container and just name it something else. And specifically, don't go get a domain name and and start marketing it. Marketing it, yeah. I think is 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 like the whole context of it, um, which you know to a certain extent I you know I can agree with that a little bit, but. Um, there's, it's just so nuanced that I, I think the, the the big thing that I see people talking about is um, don't tell people not to code something because they may never start and they they you don't know what they could have come up with if they had actually gone through with it. Um, there's, there's a lot of learning that can happen. There's a lot of um, innovation that can happen if you start re-implementing things. That was one of the things that I talked about with David. Uh, with the, with the move project, he's, um, he actually asked some questions in, um, my, uh, at the end of my, my talk about when is, when's the right time to start talking about your project. Hmm. And so he, he's paying really close attention to this because he's basically reinventing the wheel. You know, he's creating a new full stack framework from scratch. And the reason he hasn't really talked about it a lot, uh, is because people, don't like that idea that someone's going to create a new framework from scratch because there's too many already. Like we don't need another one. Um, which was pretty much what I was saying in my sculpting talk was, you know, in 2011, I was straight up told by people in the community, PHP doesn't need another CMS. Go ahead and build it, but don't talk about it. Don't, don't try to promote it. So it was the same thing back in 2011. And that really, it, it really held me back quite a bit. Like I didn't, talk about Sculpin very much for a long time. You're you're one of the rare people who probably heard about it more than anybody uh, because you were in the Silex channel and we are, we were talking anyway about other stuff. Uh, but I didn't really talk about it much outside of uh, comp- the, the Composer channel if embedded Composer-related stuff came up or in Silex PHP just because that was an awesome community where we, everyone was talking about what they were working on. Um, but yeah, otherwise I didn't talk about it much at all for, for almost two years. So I mean, it's it's a real. I think it's a real problem when people get that feeling that they're doing something wrong by building something they enjoy, and something that they want to build. Uh, so I, I think it can be. It's it's a good lesson that 
you shouldn't reinvent the wheel just that shouldn't be your default action like your default thing should not just be i'm going to create it from scratch i don't care what anyone else has written i'm not going to look at anything else you know you can go look at everything you can go try things and if things don't feel right for you you should feel free to to create something new if you want to um, and and don't worry about what the community is going to think about it yeah um, just another angle to look at this, something that struck me at the time was um, I wonder how many people literally put packages on packages when there's no interest really in other people using them um, yeah. because, you know, they want to write packages for their own work and, you know, they could set up a Satis instance somewhere, they could set up Torrent Proxy somewhere, or they could just stick it on packages and GitHub because, you know, it's easy. It's easier. It's free. <laughs> and and who cares if someone else has to search through who cares if it um dilutes the you know, the searches for routers. you know, you're getting your router hosted. You're mm. able to pull it down as a dependency whenever you need. And I bet there are quite a few out there that aren't marketed, but they aren't packagist. Uh, and even if I mean the the whole domain thing and marketing thing yeah, there's an argument there, but one of the biggest arguments everyone seems to keep banging on about is having to search through 20 pages of routers on Packagist. So even if people don't buy a domain and don't market it, it's still going to be on Packagist because they want an easy way to install it. Mm-hmm. Now, um, if uh, Jordy gets on with hosted torrent, we might see, you know, you might see companies using that a bit more. Or you might be people might if we get the sort of um the knowledge about satis out there a bit more people might start rolling their own having their own private repositories and they don't even have to be private do they they just have to be a separate repository mm-hmm. so not the the main public packagist if you see what i mean yeah yeah so i mean i've seen a couple of people talking about like creating curated lists of packages mm-hmm. which you know i think that that's another thing too like Maybe Packagist isn't going to be the place where people go to find packages anymore. Um, I mean, at a certain point, it's going to, and maybe it's already at that point where it's going to cease to become useful as being a, a, a what's the word, a, a, a good way to explore for packages to use, um, just because it's going to be so big. Uh, people, I mean, there's there's a pretty big problem with people doing things like forking Laravel and pushing their fork. To packages. Uh, same with Symphony 2, same with Symphony 2 um, Standard Edition. Um, there's, there's a lot of people who do those sorts of things, and whatever reason they're doing it, I don't think is to try to market that application or that you know that particular fork. Mm-hmm. They're they're doing it like like you're saying for uh, ease of install or whatever, or just not knowing what they're doing. I mean, like, oh well, if I need to use Composer, I need to put it on packages here. I'll put it on packages. Um, yeah. So I think like the like a having external repositories uh, managed for people, I think could definitely be a thing. But also, like curated front ends to um, packages could be a good thing too. Almost like a almost like the PHP league, you know? Like they yeah. they're they're a collection of things. I could see a smaller version of that that says here are the top three routers that Bo recommends, and uh, you know here are the top three templating engines and. Or whatever. I I, th- I think something like that could be could be something that will happen in the future. Yeah, I think so. Um, we could definitely do with some more curation 
um, statistical stuff. I mean, just um, links between packages would be interesting. You know, you know this route is used by these projects and these projects. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we could use the the strength of, you know, I guess you think about the whole um, like the search engine algorithm, that kind of complexity to start ranking packages on packages that kind of thing might help in a way mm-hmm. you know yeah. if uh, if a huge project like Symphony or Laravel uses a particular package then that particular package should get boosts from you know if you see what I mean yeah. from being linked to by those packages and so on um, mm-hmm. but yeah the curation thing's a, a good idea um, I think I mean the, the PHP League more controversy or oh, linked mentioning them again mm-hmm. um, they're just like a group of people like who banded themselves together right a bit like um, Friends of Symphony um, there's a Friends of PHP as well isn't there um, yeah it's, it's it's kind of a similar thing they they're, they are sharing the same namespace um, which I, I don't think they were originally or maybe they were I don't know but now they're def- they definitely have a PHP League namespace that they're all using yeah um, and each project is still managed by their individual, uh, like what, I mean, the, the project comes in, basically, it's kind of like a company acquisition where the, the team stays. Um, so like, uh, a talent acquisition. Yeah. 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 So the, the team stays involved in their, their own project, but now they're just under the, the PHP league umbrella. Um, oh, sorry. So not a talent acquisition. They're actually acquiring the project, but keeping everybody in yeah, place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, at least, at least from the outside, that's what it what it looks like. And you know, one of their big goals is they want to just be high quality projects. Like, an interesting thing would be whether or not they would accept another router or another DI container. I don't know if they would, um, but but if they did, then it becomes even more of a curate a collection of curated packages sort of thing. Um, yeah. But I I don't know if that's something that they've considered or definitely said they're not going to do. Um, yeah. Given their um, given their goals, I would guess not because the the idea is that each one of their things is supposed to be like best in class. Like this is the best in class uh, DI container for these reasons, and that's why it's a part of the PHP league. Right. Um, so, um, but maybe not best in class. Maybe that's not actually their thing. But that's sort of the impression I get based on it is they're bringing this project in because it's the it's yeah. it's really good and it fits their ideals. Well, the, um, but it's really full... good at what it does. The full title is the League of Extraordinary Packages, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, they they want their packages to be good. Yeah. There's yeah, no best, is there? No one has the best package except us. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, it'd be interesting when um, there's going to be a sort of a. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a a marketplace, a composer package marketplace opening up sometime soon. Um, mm-hmm. A bit like how Catalyst managed their... Catalyst are a company, they offer packages, don't they? Uh, but you have to pay for them. They offer free ones as well, but you have to pay for some of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I heard that they were going to open up a marketplace where other people could upload their packages and sell them that way. And uh, so it's interesting mm-hmm. to see what kind of quality, because if I'm really honest, I wouldn't mind paying for some high quality packages. Uh, but I don't know, we'll see. Um, are you still pursuing your packages? I keep composers. thinking about it, but 
we need. I need to speak to Jordy and see what he's doing with Torrin. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to do it if Jordy's going to do it, or I don't want to do it if Jordy's going to have it done quickly. Um, mm-hmm. But it would be nice, you know. I, every time yeah. I think about I, it in I, my I head, that... it's such a simple solution, you know, just something that literally builds you, builds a SATIS repository for it, sticks it on uh, a CDN somewhere, and puts a simple uh, authentication, authorization layer over the top. Uh yeah, I, I think that I think you should definitely talk to him about it. And from, from everything that I've heard about your project and everything that I know about Torren, um, I don't see any overlap there. And I, I I don't feel like you should hold back on it at all. Mm. Um, but if you feel more comfortable talking with him about it first, then I think you definitely should because yeah, just well, so that you can have that barrier removed. Um, yeah. Well, the, it's so that it's, if you end, it's kind of twofold because not only do I. Not want to step on Georgie's toes because it's composer's definitely his baby, and mm-hmm. and uh, he's trying to use Torrent to support work on composer. So I wouldn't want to take mm-hmm. food off the table. And also, mm-hmm. if he is close to putting something out with Torrent, I wouldn't want to waste my time when you know the guy who runs composer, who who's tap, already tapped into the market, if you like, uh, brings a similar product to market. So. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, you see, again, that's the kind of thing we we talked about, sort of taking Repo Box or my idea for Repo Box, and putting another a further layer on top where you're talking about you would talk calling them uh, boutique package boutiques or yeah. something. Um, mm-hmm. It is kind of what the league could do, couldn't they? They could have a small their own repository uh, with the, yep. with, the, with their own branding and everything and this that and the other. So. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you were just talking about the fact that you're, you're pretty certain that someone's going to have, um, packages for sale on their own repos similar to Cardalist. So, I mean, if you don't do it, someone else is going to. If Jordy doesn't do it, someone else is going to. This is so, true. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's going to happen. It's, and whether or not Jordy does something or not, there's going to be other people doing it as well. So yeah. I, I think that. Yeah, the mark if if it turns out that the market isn't big enough to support more than one or two, then the market's not big enough. Um, but mm-hmm. it very well may be big enough to support many many of these things. So yeah, well, I mean, that's I think just my my two cents. <laughs> depends on your goals, though, doesn't it? Because yeah, um, it would only be a side project for me. Uh, in terms of Jordy's, you, we know what good Jordy's goals are. It's just to try and support composer to give him time to do work on composer. So. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think anyone's talking about ma- a market big enough to retire on. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I keep I keep thinking about it, and I've not given up. I just uh, mm-hmm. and to be honest, you know, I, I don't. I'm not exactly got loads of time on my hands. So. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this this comes back to the not invented here discussion too, because you know, there, there's there's always room for di- differences. I mean, in in my mind, when I look at Torrent versus what RepoBox would be, it's they're they're very different, and mm. you know those. I think that they serve different markets and I serve different purposes. And some someone else could create something entirely different, and they're going to create something that more or less already exists. And in 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 all of these cases, it's basically just status, <laughs> you know, which already yeah. exists. So um, I don't I don't know I I I, I would 
I would I would hate for you to end up with a weekend where you had two days where you could have built a minimum viable product and not done it for yep. reasons that don't that, that weren't good reasons, you know. So Yep, you're probably right. Because I I know that you 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 threw together the the repo box landing page way sooner than I was able to throw together my my liquid forms landing page. <laughs> that was uh, I know I was just uh, I just wanted to put something out. The thing is, I haven't actually pointed anyone out at it. I, I should mm-hmm. do really. I should start um, tweeting about it because even if I didn't um, go ahead with it, I'll have you know the, the site's there anyway. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So yeah, I should really yeah. tweet about it. Even even liquid forms, you know that 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 falls into this same category as well. I mean, there are a lot of form processing services out there, and um, but that's not going to hold me back from someday working on it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and that actually has a couple of inbound links to it, and I would say that I get a I get at least one sign up every couple days or so. Um, so I mean, there's it's definitely there's definitely some interest there. Um, it's just for the last yeah. month or two, I haven't had any time to work on anything outside of actual work or travel. So um, I don't. I, I have I actually talked about Liquid Forms on the podcast yet? You know, we definitely talked about it as a project. Mm-hmm. I think um, I don't know if we talked about the branding and sort mm-hmm. of what you're trying to pursue. Now, okay. I, I seem to recall. You, we, when we first started really looking at um, DDD and CQRS and event sourcing, you were start you were starting to work on liquid forms, and you started to think about trying to apply it to liquid forms and things. And I remember looking at some diagrams you had, and mm-hmm. um, certainly modeling you'd done. But I can't remember if we did bring it up on the show or not. Yeah, I, I don't think I did because I just I I just realized that I don't know if I've. I have. I don't think I've said the word liquid forms out loud to anybody except for Beck. Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as I said it, I'm like, wow. I think that's the first time I've I've actually said it out loud. So, yeah. Um, well, let's talk I, a little bit like, quickly. Oh. Sure. Give us a pitch. Yeah. So um, yeah, the the pitch is that um, with with static sites, you you have a lot of limitations, um, mostly in that you can't have anything dynamic. And uh, one of the big things that a lot of people like to have on their websites is some sort of way to uh, receive form information, uh, whether it be email contact. Um, that's that's the big one, really, just you know contact forms. Uh, so there there are a couple of solutions out there already that I've been trying to work with, like uh, Woof, uh, Wufu is one of the big ones. Um, I see a lot of people using like Google Google Contact Form. I don't know what their user interface is like. But they aren't altogether developer friendly, um, so uh, I want. I've I've actually been thinking a lot about the fact that I have a lot of interest in Sculpin and pushing static sites, but I don't. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to monetize Sculpin directly, and that's not really. That was never really my goal. But um, there's a lot of things that I can do around the idea of Sculp of Sculpin and static sites in general that I could could monetize. Um, I have two big ideas. Um, and the, the form processing is just the lower, lower hanging fruit, if you will. Um, because it should be relatively trivial to set up. Um, I'd like to sync, I'd like to potentially have like a, a self-hosted variant, um, like a really basic version 
of the, the core software that anyone could install. Like if you want to set up like a Heroku install and uh, receive your, your forms that way you can. But then I want to provide um, uh, Liquid Forms as a service that you could just easily tie into and not have to worry about setting up mail servers or anything like that. Or, you know, you could have a, a fully uh, fully static website that, that you can maintain easily, um, but also have uh, emails uh, email forms and like a, uh, you could log in with an API or if you want, want to do that, if you need to or whatever. Um, but not have to manage any hosts for that, which is what I want for myself too. Yeah. You know, I, I probably manage 20 or 30 static sites at this point and I don't want to have to, uh, run a, a non-static web server somewhere just, just to handle emails or just to handle some sort of, you know, you know form submissions. So. Yeah, I, I know that I have a need for it, and I want to build it for myself either way. And I, based on the the um, feedback that I'm getting by the people who are actually signing up for the email list, uh, it looks, sounds like other people are interested in it as well. It's it's definitely something that uh, I think the market exists. So yeah, well, I mean, I actually mentioned a use case similar for earlier. I mentioned that company Reconix. They we're launching a, an album, a, a sort of a, a marketing site for an album for a, a world-renowned band. They made the mm-hmm. site completely static. Now, the the band actually wanted um, e-commerce built into the product, but they said no. The Reconix literally said, you don't want that. They said, <laughs> it costs you lots of money for us to build it, for us to be able to build a shopping cart that will scale to the demand. You know, literally launch day, we go from zero to 100,000 visitors in an hour or whatever. iTunes is where most people are going to buy the music anyway. So well, let's leave iTunes to do the selling stuff. We'll just make an awesome experience in terms of content. And because they did that, they were allowed, they were able to build a completely static site, as in, at least on the server side. Mm-hmm. Whack it on a CDN, have CloudFront deliver it to everyone and everything, and then just use iTunes for the processing. What you've described is exactly the same thing. Yep. We can build a simple static site. We can serve it from anything. You could serve it from CloudFront. I mean, I know Sculpin comes with a script to upload straight to S3, doesn't it? Yep. And then something use something else that is capable of dealing with the form processing easily, mm-hmm. and that that it, the form processing is that service is uh, bread and bread and butter, isn't it? So. Uh, Yep. There's definitely a, a market there. Like you say, it could be saturated. You just have to see. You're getting sign-ups, yep. though. So. And if it's going to be yeah. something you use yourself, then... Right. Yeah, and, and you know, Sculpin's a very small market, but there there's some very big players, you know. Like, mm. how many people have GitHub pages? You yeah. know, websites based on GitHub pages, which I think, like, for example, the PHP League, like, every single one of the, the, the league's projects are hosted on GitHub pages. And, in fact, the, the PHP League's website is hosted on github pages yeah um so yeah i mean even like this is something that is is within my domain within the static site domain that isn't just limited to sculpin so i I can work on it i can use sculpin to help push people toward it or say hey you know what if you need a form solution you know there's this project that you can use or you can use woofoo or whatever but i can you know i can still direct people there but it's not limited to just sculpin you know like anybody could use it which is which is why I think that it could be pretty pretty good in the long run. The one thing I was going to mention, a little little sideline, is that the PHP League website used to be, and all of the league sites used to be based on Sculpin. 
but they recently changed that, which is kind of a bummer for me. Um, Jonathan actually wrote me, uh, Jonathan Renink, I think mm-hmm. I, I pronounced his name correctly last time. I probably pronounced it wrong this time. Uh, actually wrote me a really nice email about it and said, yeah, we're, we're going to try to go back to Jekyll. Um, and the real big reason for that is because Jekyll's built into GitHub, GitHub pages yeah. and their GitHub pages. And, um, apparently it was having an adverse impact on people's ability to publish changes. Um, because they didn't want people to have to, uh, basically, uh, with Jekyll, you can make very minor changes and publish it pretty easily. Um, if you want to, um, yeah. check, like actually render the code, uh, you'd still have to get Jekyll. So I, I, I'm not sure why getting Jekyll would be a big thing other than the fact that, um, anyone can commit their change to, um, uh, Jekyll-based repository, and it will rebuild. Um, if you actually want to commit a change and have it re- reflected on the website somehow, you would have to get Sculpin. Yeah. So um, the actual edit process isn't a big deal, but if you're actually pushing the code that's supposed to be rendered, like uh, I think they call it the pre-composed websites, yeah. someone would have to do that. Um, so either the contributor would have to download Sculpin and, and run it, or... Uh, one of the maintainers would have to say, oh, hey, someone pushed an update and go and then push it to GitHub pages yeah. after rebuild it in Sculpin. So, so Scul- uh, Jekyll has a huge, huge advantage over any other static site generator, um, which is probably going to keep it as a, one of the bigger players for quite a while, I guess. Yeah. Um, I was, you, while you were talking, I just remembered something about Repobox. So I'd, I'd actually been thinking further about it the other day. and So one of the things I was going to do was um, forget about multi-tenant rubbish for now. Um, I was going to try and build it as simple as I could, not dirty as I could. But I thought mm-hmm. one thing I thought would be really cool was to have a, a small CLI program to go with it. Mm-hmm. So you could literally... Um, Go to a an existing Satis JSON file, say, you know, create me a new repository based on the contents of this Satis file, and then it could also do things like it'd ask you um, which of your keys, your uh, SSH keys, to upload, because we it, it would need those to fetch any private GitHub repositories, things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have it has been on my mind, and uh, I. Like I say, I keep thinking about it. I keep thinking how nice it'd be to have. Uh, so maybe I should actually put some effort into uh, and crack on doing something with it. Yeah. So um, on the whole non-invented here discussion, um, I think there there have been a couple of posts that I've seen where people have uh, sort of like come in to defend it a bit. Uh, one of them was uh, Ian Landsman's In Defense of Duplication. Hmm. Did you happen to read that? Uh, I definitely skimmed it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was one of them. I think that uh, Patty Ferran posted one. I don't remember what the title of that one was, but it was some, it had something about Uninvented Here in yeah. the title, in, in the actual link. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people who are defending it for, for various reasons, and I think we've discussed most of the different reasons, but the, both, of, both of those articles are pretty good. Um, I think Anthony Ferreira had one as well. Um, that so I don't think he posted it. I think it was an older post that he an had older done. Post, yeah. Um, someone 
posted it again. And he had the, he had the cool diagram of why reinventing the wheel sometimes matters. Did you see that? I didn't know. Oh, is it, it the square, square it's, wheel? It's the square wheel with the, the round, the, the little yeah. round troughs. Um, so I don't know. There's, I mean, there's a lot of people talking about it and defending it. Um, there was at least one of the people who left a comment on my joined in talk. Let me see if I can pull that up real quick on the joined in comments for my talk that, uh, will take me a second, but they basically said that they, they, um, it sounded like they've had the same sort of experience that I did, that they've, they've been holding back doing something because someone told them something in the community to not do it. Um, so it, it seems like it's a, a real thing that people hear these things and it impacts them and keeps them from, from, from doing stuff, which I didn't even really realize that that had happened to me until I started thinking more about this talk, like that it was a real thing that had happened, you know, <laughs> until I saw people on Twitter saying, don't tell people not to build things because they're not going to build them. And then it was then that it clicked on me that I I'd realized this for a while. I just hadn't put, put, put a name to it necessarily, or a concept to it that, yeah, people talking about in the community, you shouldn't build this. You shouldn't build that because blah, 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 uh, will keep people from doing stuff, you know, yeah. It's really kind of crazy. Well, yeah, and there's different scales as well. I mean, this started out talking about routers. Now, I mean, how long does it take to build a router? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about thousands of man days wasted building routers. But, like, mm-hmm. for example, when they first started working on um, Zen Framework 2 in earnest, I was a little bit like, to be honest, because I'd come from Zen Framework 1 to Symphony. And I was a little bit like, do we really need another large Zen framework at this point? Because Symphony was doing so well and doing so many things right, or at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I was kind of on that, you don't really need to be building Zen framework too. I was literally felt like that. I thought, I'm having quite happily used Zen framework 1, but then moved to Symphony 2, I was I couldn't honestly see a need for, I, d- I didn't know what Zen framework 2 could bring to the table that we couldn't find in a reasonable... You know, because they are the same class of framework, aren't they? They're as, as enterprising as we get in the PHP world. Yeah. Um, But then I'm I'm also the same. I've built lots of things not in yeah. here. Um, so, yeah, I guess it just depends which say we go for we say for everything, really. Uh, one thing I would say, um, I think Ian Landsman's post was... Definitely written before Phil clarified a few things. Like, I don't think Phil had mentioned things like marketing and domain names. Yeah. Until at least a few of the rebuttals had come in. Um, yeah. And then to further what one of Phil's arguments is that he looks at other communities and sees they've got so many top quality packages, whereas we've got a lot of low quality packages. And I think that's kind of the way things are going to stay for a while in our community um, because our community is so much larger than the Python and Ruby communities or in my opinion mm-hmm. it is it's so much more varied you know with Rails I mean yeah there's Sinatra and but really everyone just writes Ra- with Ra- sorry with Ruby <laughs> there's Sinatra yeah. and there's a few others but everyone really just uses Rails so people are more likely to concentrate on the one you know 
like paperclip for rails. People would concentrate on that one. That is the quintessential, you know, file upload management package for rails. So people will concentrate on it and people will con- use it and make it better. Whereas with us, when we've got Symphony, Laravel, Zend, Code Igniter, Fuel, whatever the other ones are. And even though you can make an agnostic package, yep, we know, we know about that. You've always got to integrate somewhere. And the thing with Rails, where they do have agnostic packages, there were always Rails packages in the first place that then got pulled out. Mm-hmm. So if we did follow the same pattern, then it means Symphony's end, Laravel, Yi, Codinator will all build their own packages and then maybe try and pull out a, an agnostic package later on. Yeah. So that's why we're going to struggle, I think, to build the killer packages, as it were, you know, the, the category killer. Mm-hmm. Because there'll always be something. Everyone's so different, doing different things. Yeah, yeah. it 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 takes time too. I mean, uh, I think a year and a half ago, two years ago, I I think I I think it might have been Jordy actually that sent a tweet to both Michael Dowling and um, Chris about uh, getting Guz, uh, Guzzle and Buzz together because we didn't need to, and um, I I. I haven't seen much on Buzz lately, but I sort of feel like Guzzle at this point is kind of the de facto standard for HTTP requests for for anything, really. Um, so I think things like that will happen. But I know that there are still people writing, you know, curl wrappers or whatever, like smaller things that, that people use for smaller reasons. But if I'm going to build something with an HTTP client now, I'm probably just going to go straight to Guzzle. I'm not even going to bother searching packages for something else at this point. Yeah, I'm definitely. I'm. The one thing with Guzzle is it is a Goliath. Yeah, you know, it's a giant library, um, mm-hmm. which is where Buzz would hopefully come in as the smaller counterpart. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, I struggle to remember the Guzzle API, and mm-hmm. that might be also because I've spanned three major versions now in terms of my usage of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know where things have changed and whatnot, but. Um, yeah. It's definitely not a simple API, all in all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't think I think there's room for two, definitely. Mm-hmm. If they're as different as Buzz and Guzzle are, yeah. Uh, it's the the problem is people get frustrated because we're pulling in. You know, I know for a fact I have both Buzz and Guzzle in my in the code base for childcare.co.uk because of other libraries that I'm using that require a HTTP client. You know, one's dependent on Guzzle, one's dependent on Buzz, mm-hmm. um, which is frustrating, but I just deal with it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's plenty of other libraries that, I mean, the Rails community, the Ruby community, they have several, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I know, every, I mean, they have uh, decent support built in, but there's still packages that do it for you. Uh, yeah. Same with uh, Python, there's requests in Python, but people still use Lib as well. Or I'll live too. So I don't know. Yeah. It, you know, I, th- I think the same sort of other communities argument comes in with like even with PSR 7. You know, people are saying we didn't need to have a community to come up with rack. You know, like looking at another community and, and everything. It's like, well, the com- if the community is smaller, like you're saying, 
they, they didn't need to worry about that as much. Yeah. You know, like we don't need to have, why, why do we need to have PHP fake come in and declare one interface to rule them all? It's like, it's not going to happen otherwise. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, things like that aren't just magically going to happen. I don't think unless it happens at the PHP level, which seems to be pretty, pretty unlikely at this point, but yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's the conversation. I, I don't know if it's still going on. I haven't been able to pay too much of attention to it. Um, I think it's something that is bound to come up from time to time. Like people are going to, going to be discussing it. I don't really know if there's going to be a resolution to it in any way, but I, I hope that this recent round hasn't ended up resulting in some people being afraid to build something that they wanted to or release something that they'd been working on for a little while and like, well, I guess maybe I shouldn't do this because, because of Symphony or because of Zend or because of Guzzle or whatever. You know, if there's something really cool people are working on and they're just afraid that the community is going to be like, eh, why'd you do that? Why'd you waste your time? Um, that would be kind of, that would be kind of disappointing. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it, same old arguments really, aren't they? Um, we've talked about decomposing packages plenty of times mm-hmm. and it's the same thing um, if I choose not to use a library that's out there but yeah, but steal code from it and, you know, make it my own it's ex- doing the exact same thing I suppose I'm not cluttering up packages with it but yeah, I mean maybe that's to be, to be honest to be honest I don't really I can't remember the last time I looked for a router on packages <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm not. I don't think I'm the the usual use case. I'm probably because it is, I, I work on the same project, you know, week in week out, or mostly the same project because I'm employed and I, you know, we have one product that we maintain. Whereas I know there are a lot of uh, devs out there who work at agencies, so they're constantly starting new projects, and I guess they look for routers on Packagist. I don't know. Do do they? Mm. I don't know. I imagine most agencies are sort of settled on a framework and stick to that, don't mm-hmm. they? Do you look for routers on packages? No. No. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I I know, I, I guess I know the frameworks, so I know which ones I might use. Like, I, if I needed a standalone router, maybe I would go look at Aura, or maybe I would look at Symphony's, but um, I don't. I wouldn't try to find a new one, I guess. I don't know. If if someone starts talking about this awesome new router, I'd be like, okay, maybe I'll go look at it. But no one really talks about them. Like I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what the. I, I guess I guess what you're trying to say is you don't know what the problem is. Like like why? why? Well, I, I I understand what they're saying. I just don't have that problem myself. Yeah. Is what I'm. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I understand it could be a problem for some people. I just don't know who those people are. Yeah. I guess maybe beginners who are really getting into things, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I didn't mean you don't understand the problem or don't have the problem. Yeah. Um, I guess the fact that no one would do that, or we can't think of a case where someone would do that, means that the problem isn't a problem. Is what is what I meant, because who is going to go look at that? And I guess new people might, but I would I would think more people would be more likely to find Laravel or Symphony or Zend than to go looking for, like, to go shopping for a router. Like, I don't think yeah. they would. 
and I don't think. I suppose a, r- a router is probably a bad example, isn't it? A, a login library. Yeah. Something a little bit more cross-cutting concern. So. Yeah, I guess maybe like an OAuth library. I, I could see something yeah. like that. Like if I go to packages, I might go to packages to search for OAuth. Uh, so I, yeah. I, I but to be honest, there's probably fewer the fewer of those because the more the harder to build. Yeah, you know, a router is quite an easy thing to to knock up, which is why I, I guess it's probably a new hello world, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know, build a router. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Mm. So I don't I don't think we should bother with the the other topic now because we've not got too. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. We've we've talked about this one quite a bit. We didn't have a lot of time. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else uh, worth bringing up. Yeah, on this topic or in general? Just in general. I mean, if there's anything else on this topic, we'll go for it. But uh, yeah, I think like I say, uh, I, I have I have a couple. Of, said. I have a couple of things that we didn't get to earlier. Yeah, if, let's do if, that. If then. we have a little bit more time, I'll I'll share a couple. Um, one of one of my oh, friends we've got, from we've got plenty of time. Yeah, yeah. one of my friends from uh, California that. I don't think I've actually talked to him in a long, long time. Um, has a Kickstarter going right now, and I hope it's still going uh, because I wanted to talk about that. Uh, his name's Colin Day, and uh, he's a video game. Um, let's see when it's when it's going to be done. Um, but it's called uh, Rogue Wizards, and uh, it's got 17 days to go. Um, so it looks like a pretty cool little project. Um, I wanted to make sure and pitch that for them or just throw it out there because. I'd like to help them out a little bit if I can. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not a, are you a, well, I don't want to say gamer because then I'm automatically going to think Gamergate and I don't want to even go there. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I don't really consider myself a gamer, which is kind of funny because that's a lot uh, of what I hear right now with this whole Gamergate thing is this whole idea of who's a gamer and who's not. And I find myself realizing that I pretty often say I'm not a gamer because I don't consider myself hardcore enough. Um, like I have a couple of friends who I would consider gamers who play games and enjoy them and actually like pick up new games and are good at them. Um, but this one looked kind of cool to me and I, I don't know how much I would actually end up playing it, but, uh, it looked kind of interesting and looked kind of, I, I like the graphic style and everything like that. So I've been sort of tempted to get back into playing a few games recently. Mm-hmm. I haven't played. I have an Xbox 360, just sat under my desk doing nothing, collecting dust. I used to play Call of Duty quite a lot with my friends, mm-hmm. uh, but I'd never consider myself a gamer. I have a friend who um, he's really into games, and he gets all these sort of limited edition. Mm-hmm. So I remember him getting a Halo with a helmet or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, things like that. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I I could do with a bit of downtime sometimes, and. Um, I think it's a good way. I've been trying to do that a little bit more. So, you know, I, I talk about a read before bed, mm. uh, you know, to switch off a little bit. And I could do with doing a bit of gaming. Um, there's a game I, I, um, a couple of my ex colleagues from Sky were talking about. They were on, on Twitter, and I, I quite fancied that. It was, um, let me see if I can find it. Just excuse me a minute. Sure. It's on the, uh, is it Humble Bundle? Yeah, Humble Bundle. I've heard, I've heard people talking about that. It's on Steam. Is that a Steam thing, or I think you can purchase through Steam. Okay, maybe that, I. I... Yep. Okay. And it's um it. Oh, maybe. Well, these are all, this month or whatever it is. This week's uh, bundle is all HTML 
games anyway. Nice. <laughs> so all playing uh, all with uh, ASM.js. Mm. And one of them is called FTL. And it looks really interesting. It's like a I don't really I can't even understand it. But it looks good. Nice. Well <laughs> It's uh, faster faster than light it stands for. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, you're managing the crew of a spaceship basically. But it's um sort of top down graphics, uh just really good gameplay apparently. Um you know, rather than anything sort of fancy. Yeah. So I've quite fancy having a go at that. Cool. So um, uh, this game, I just realized I didn't tell anything about the game itself. Uh, the game's called Rogue Wizards, um, and they're on okay. uh, Twitter. It's spell gu- uh, Spellbind Games uh, is the Twitter handle. So I'll, I'll, I'll get the link for the Kickstarter in the show notes. But um, yeah, good idea. It, it looks kind of, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it's not necessarily top-down. It's, uh, what's... Uh, what is it when it's like tiles at like just like a little bit of an angle? Uh, isometric. Isometric. Okay. Um, it looks yeah. like that. So it, it looks like it could be a lot of fun to play. And uh, they they've got a pretty. I think they have a seventy thousand dollar goal, and they're looks like they're almost at forty thousand right now. Wow, so, awesome. Um, yeah. So they, I mean, they're they're getting they're getting there. So I'm, I'm hoping they can get what they're looking for because that's always exciting for people and. You know, so I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on Kickstarter sometimes because it can be hard to see wow, why someone would... You know, I, some of the Kickstarters just look ridiculous to me, or the Indiegogo campaigns, but this one actually looks yeah. legitimate, like they're actually going to uh, be... They, they've already been working on it, they've, they've got something, and I can see why they might want to get, you know, the, the amount of the amount of money they're looking for seems to match the amount of effort left to, to yeah. get it done. So, so anyway, I, I, I told them that I would... Uh, mention it because uh, I just wanted to mention it for them. So, Yeah, cool. Uh, you've just reminded me of something else I have was going to mention mm-hmm. that I'd forgotten. Um, so I'm doing a little bit of... Um, would you call... If I said pro bono work to you, would do you understand what uh, I mean That would that? mean that you're doing it for free because... Uh, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. So my mum called me on Friday. So... And she um, she's a trustee of this um, local charity. They're not really a charity, but they're a non-profit do-gooder type thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they need a new website, and they need it fast for some reason. Um, uh, I'm not privy as to why. I think it's um, it's confidential at the minute. I I think it's something to do with fundraising. And basically, their current website is awful, and they think it's going to affect their chances of getting this funding or something. Mm-hmm. So I've got until Tuesday to make a website for them. Um, and you know when there's no way in hell I would have said yes <laughs> to free work unless it was for charity and for my mum. Yeah. Uh, so that's put a little bit of strain on um, what I'm doing. I mean, to, to be honest, I picked a theme from Theme Forest quite quickly, mm-hmm. threw it on WordPress, but that's like just just aesthetics isn't it and then mm-hmm. trying to fit content in and decide where content should go um i spoke to another one of the trustees on the phone last night and i specifically told him that i wasn't going to take input on the design mm-hmm. of the site i said i'm well, i'm not doing design by committee in four days <laughs> you're gonna get what it you can choose about the content all you like but in terms of how it looks yeah you're getting what you're given um he did ask if he could have a couple of uh, keep a bit of uh, the colours that they've chosen for branding, things like um, their stationery, the business card and stuff. And I said, yeah, yeah that's fine. So uh, uh, most of the most of the themes on Theme Forest have 
quite a few uh, toggles for colors and things, so you can usually sort of tweak them to mm-hmm. a color scheme. Uh, so yeah, so I just wanted to mention that it's a bit of a strange thing. Yeah. Request on a Friday. Can I have a website in four days, please? <laughs> Son. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's quite cool what they do. Um, so I don't know what nightlifes are in America, but I mean, in, in the UK, there's a definitely a sort of a binge drinking culture where on a Friday and Saturday in the major cities, you get people seriously overindulging in the town centers and um so what my mum does is she's a trustee on something called uh, street angels and basically they they sort of coordinate with uh local traders and the uh emergency services so the police and the ambulances and stuff just to make just to help people who might have had too much to drink on a night things like that make sure they get home okay uh, i know they were giving out flip flops do you know what do you know what i mean by flip flops mm. No, those to me those would be shoes, like sandals. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like firm sandals to uh, women who are probably not safe enough to walk in their heels. Oh, okay. Or struggling to walk in their heels. Mm-hmm. Um, to give people water to make sure they're hydrated. <laughs> you know things like this. Um, and they they engage with the homeless people and all things like that. So it's kind of cool. And I've heard from friends who've been out on the town drinking and stuff and actually seen my mum. <laughs> And, you know, thought what a cool thing it was they were doing and things. So, huh, cool. yeah, it's kind of nice to be doing something for them. I just wish it wasn't in such a rush, you yeah. know, and so demanding on my time in a short space of time, should I say. But, yeah. yeah. Cool. So that was that. Just thought I'd mention it. So something that I finally decided to do a week ago was two-factor all the things. I... uh I yeah. have not done that for any of my services that I've been associated with. And I finally decided that I've heard of too many incidents of people having issues that I shouldn't, I shouldn't run that risk any longer. And it's, it was mostly out of laziness that I hadn't before. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I went and did that for all of the things that I could think of. Um, there's actually a, a website called twofactorauth.org. Uh, it's right. spelled with T-W-O, two-factor auth, um, that had a list of all of the services that have two-factor auth or should. Um, and they had like direct links to the help for how to enable it for all of these different services, which I thought was an incredible help. So uh, that was pretty neat. Yeah. And yeah, I, I realized that it's something that more uh, as I'm thinking about building these different services and whatnot, it's just, it's something that I probably needed to keep in mind that that's a feature I should probably add in some cases. Uh, de- de- yeah, depending on the level of uh, vulnerability of either the data, like what kind of data it is, or um, what kind of connections it has. Like if it's if it authenticates to other services or whatever, and you know, um, some cases it it doesn't matter as much as others. But especially with yeah. some of the projects I'm working on, it might be more important to keep that in mind. Yeah, no, definitely. I actually attend on Google's two-factor auth for my mum mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Um, she she inadvertently filled out a phishing form mm-hmm. uh, for her Google email and password. Mm-hmm. But she recognized she'd done it. Once, once, she, once she'd actually done it, she realized what she'd done and changed her password. So she should be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, I attend on the two-factor auth for her and showed her how it would work, so it was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, 
I actually, I, I do tend to turn it on the the important things. I know I have it on Dropbox, Google, yeah. uh, Amazon Web Services, which is a big thing for work, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does have its sort of annoyances. Um, one thing with, uh, I just mentioned I've turned it on for AWS. I, at the minute, I'm the only one who's set up for two-factor auth in our company. So if I got hit with a bus, by a bus, then my boss literally wouldn't be able to log in. Mm-hmm. And the reason that is because I believe I need him to be logged in to set up the um, the authentication software on his phone, mm-hmm. if you see what I mean. So I need to actually... I can't... So the so way I set it up on my phone, phone with... Right? Co- co- no, because um, I think you can... I can create an account for him. Oh. Um. And then the way it worked for me was using the Google Authenticator software, which is time-based, one-time password thing. Mm-hmm. You, it, uh, AWS showed you a um, QR code, which you scanned with the Google Authenticator app, and then it knew how to create uh, one-time passcodes for mm-hmm. you. So I need his phone to scan the QR code for... So I need to be logged in a, a machine with him to create his user account to get his QR code to scan with his phone, I think anyway, or maybe I could just download it and email it to him. Yeah, I think I think he could but, just use it and then. Oh, I don't know. Maybe not. He should just be able to scan your QR code, right? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, but maybe the the QR codes are generated time based, you know, because you don't want that QR code getting out, do you? <laughs> No, but I mean, like if you if you downloaded the app for him right now and brought him to your desk or whatever, or went yeah, to that's his what desk, I mean. I, yeah, that's right. But we don't, you know, he lives uh, two hundred miles away, yeah. and we don't see each other at all. So yeah. until I see him in person, I'm the only one who can log into our Amazon Web Services account. Oh, okay. But I should be meeting him for lunch in a few weeks. I just <laughs> got to remember to do it. So yeah. So yeah, I, I did that, and it, it made my life miserable for a little while, and I, I think that. My iPad and both of my iPads are still unable to do anything, and I think my oh, Google, yeah. my uh, calendar on my Mac, I haven't set up the one-time use passwords for those yet. So there's a bunch of things that yeah. I mean, it's really nice that Google had. There's one thing that Google did that none of the other services did that I saw was that they created all these one-time, um, or not one-time, but one-service passwords, where they'll generate yeah. a password for you just for mail on on the iPhone. So I had to do that for uh, both of my accounts. Um, but then I have to yeah. do the same thing. F- um, I think I did do the same thing for, um, well, I think I need to do the same thing for calendar on my Mac. Um, I'm not using a traditional mail client anymore on my Mac. I'm yeah. using, I'm using mail, uh, mailbox, the beta, uh, which because it uses the, um, the API, it didn't need to have the two factor off. For some reason, which I thought was a little weird, I never had to reauthenticate to keep that working, and it just kept working. Hmm. Um, but if I wanted to open up my uh, my old copy of Airmail, I'm sure I'd have to go create a new password to both of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe when your uh, API token for Mailbox expires, you'll have to uh, yeah. two factor auth then to get a new. Yeah. So yeah, um, let's see the. Uh, other thing, there was actually something podcast-related, another podcast-related thing. Um, have you looked at phpdeveloper.org very much? Um, occasionally. Yeah. 
Um, I, I happened to notice that, that there was a post about our last episode on there. And, um, all right. Chris Cornett posted it. And I, I don't know if that's all him. Uh, if all of the posts were him, most of the posts that I looked at were him. Um, but look, he actually listened to the episode because the, the show notes were diff- were like what he noted was a little different than what we'd actually posted. So I think he's actually, actually listened to it, oh, took cool. the time to, um, make a change. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I think I'm following. Well, I know Chris, I know Chris runs the site. I don't know if he has any help. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, there's so many posts on there that, that I, seem like a lot of work for one person to do so yeah um, and he does I, he does uh do a little write-up for each post doesn't he yeah yeah because i know when he's put my blog posts on there he's he's always written handwritten a summary yeah for yeah so i thought that was uh i i thought that was pretty cool and so i appreciate the fact that someone's taking the time to to do that extra work because it, it looks like it wouldn't be a non-trivial amount of work to do so i yeah, definitely. wanted to call that out uh, the other thing was that the, uh, the talk that I did, um, I used Dexet app for, um, oh, yeah. uh, for this, uh, bringing Sculpin to Life talk that I did at Forum PHP. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, there, there were some little things that I just had to let go. Uh, I think you mentioned that too, that, you know. Getting over that hump. Yeah. I... But, um, it went really well. Uh, it went, went really fast. And I, I used fit for almost everything. So, um, it's, th- there were just a couple of things where like I, I, I do a lot of things with my slides normally where, um, I'll do the same slide like many times with like different things highlighted. Um, and I wasn't able to do that or the, because it's fitting to the size, like the, the size of the text will change between the slides where normally I'd like them to be the yeah, same. Um, I found that as well. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, it let me use whatever Markdown editor I wanted to, um, which um, I just tried Macdown. I've been using uh, MOU for quite a while, and I just switched to Macdown to see how that worked. And um, yeah, it worked great. Uh, I was pretty happy with it. So um, thank you for, for uh, talking about that. And anybody else who wants to uh, find a new alternative to either PowerPoint or Keynote, well, actually, probably just Keynote. Because it's a Mac only app, is it a? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So if anyone's looking for alternatives to Keynote, uh, Dexet, uh, D-E-C-K-S-E-T is a pretty nice alternative. It's a uh, Markdown-based slides, so it's pretty nice. Yeah, it takes away the hassle. Well, it prevents you from fiddling with things too much, doesn't it? It's yeah. very limited uh, amount of design you can do with your slides. It's, it tries to get you to concentrate on the content. Yeah. I think. Um, so I, I shared my slides on Twitter and I had someone reply pretty, pretty quickly that it was great that I shared the slides, but there was so little info on them. It was, wasn't really worth it. Um, I, have you done any slides like that or any, any presentations? No, I haven't. I've only, I've only done a few talks and they've all involved a fair amount of technical stuff, but yeah, it, it's the thing is, you know, if all the information was in the slides, it'd take away some benefit of going to the talk, right? And nobody yeah. wants to hear you reading from the slides. So yeah. Yeah, I've been fi- wait until the videos come out. Yeah, I've been finding that my um, my slides have been progressively getting less and less detailed, and I think this one was probably the least detailed uh, set of slides mm. I've ever done. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's. This, I, I've seen people talk in the past about at a certain point they don't share their slides anymore, like like for certain talks where they if the the slides are are minimal or whatever they they just don't even bother sharing them. 
but I, yeah. I think there's probably still some stuff in, in some of them, in some of them sometimes. Um, but what I was thinking is one thing that deck set doesn't do is give you the option. I don't think of exporting the speaker notes because that could be uh, a way to combat that as if, um, you could export the slides mm. with speaker notes. Um, yeah. I've seen people do something like that before where they, they, they release the text that goes along with the slide. Um, so that, yeah. that might be in a future version of it, which might be kind of nice. Um, but not this time. Hmm. But yeah, so yeah, oh. that was that was kind of cool. I got to try some new new software for this talk. Um, the last thing from from London was uh, I didn't get to mention that I got to meet Alexander in person. Oh uh, yeah, that was kind of fun. Um, he uh, uh, he's the one of the people who helped create Broadway. Um, yeah, so um, he's moved moved now. He's in London working for Facebook. Yep, yep, he's in London working for Facebook, yeah. and his office turned out to be about three blocks away from the hotel we were staying in. So, um, oh, awesome. Yeah. So one of, one of the mornings he got off a stop or two early off the train and, uh, met, met us for coffee. So he got to meet Luke and Beck as well. Um, so that was a lot of fun. So. Yeah. I said, I, I spoke to him on IC a while back and said, when I'm down in London sometime, I'll uh, speak to him so we get a coffee or something. It'd be nice. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, I should get going, man. I've got to go get my haircut. Uh, sure thing. Wife has ordered ordered me to because we're going out tonight. So <laughs> nice. Um, well, my uh, my my clock here says it's almost five o'clock. So maybe restaurants in Paris will be open again. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I can go get some sushi or some pizza. <laughs> we'll have to see. That sounds good. Yeah. Cool. All right, okay. Man. So uh, yeah. Thanking you. Thanking uh, the listeners. Yeah. Thank you for everyone and uh, had a great. Great, great time here in Paris, and thanks for letting me be able to share it with you all. <laughs> cool. All right, I guess we'll call it a wrap. You've been listening to That Podcast with Bo and Dave. You can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development. You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox. Like the music? You can thank Gorillo for allowing us to sample the track Dust Kingdom for our intro and outro. You can find Dust Kingdom and other tracks by Grillo at grillo.bandcamp.com, spelled G-R-I-L-L-O.